Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
George Ronda Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody. Uh, starting a brand new week of uh, on the last leg of September 2017. Uh, This year has gone by so fast. And I'm pretty sure this show is going to be a podcast for 2018 and beyond 2019 and all that kind of thing. Uh, Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. I try to be so appreciative of your time because I know you have things you have to do and you and you're in your car, you're at home, you're at work, you're listening to the show. Thanks so much for doing that. It's it's great. It's um it's fulfilling and it's wonderful. Okay, my guest today who well she's scheduled, if it takes she, because I never know sometimes I <laughs> it it just happens. Author Robin Marvel. Wow, Robin Marvel, what a great name, what a great name. Um is going to be on the show today, or should be, or or if if there hasn't been a scheduling conflict, that should happen. Anyway, we're going to uh, be uh, booking a lot of uh, guests in the coming week uh, on the show, so you guys should stay tuned, guys and girls, just stay tuned for, for that. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is beautiful in the city of Chicago. Daylight savings time is underway i mean the days are getting shorter but but for somehow the city of chicago which which this show is eliminating from uh we're, <laughs> fall is uh uh you know is right around the corner but it still feels like summer which is great because winter is coming it's coming old man winter is coming we're gonna freeze winter is coming but it's still feeling like summer heading into fall uh, and uh, that's great. I mean, but, you know, you have to, well, come to think of it, you have to, if I can get my tongue straight, you have to think of global warming and, and climate change. I think this is real. It is totally real. Al, Al Gore is on to something, and it's a shame that the Republicans, the slimy Republicans, and I call them that because they're gutless, they're weak to do anything about anything. Since Trump has been elected, there's been no real legislation on their part. They're just rushing in front of the camera and actually uh, sounding good, but talking about nothing. But global warming is a real thing because from my understanding, there is another t- tornado, a hurricane um, along the Caribbean and Florida coast that is set to hit Puerto Rico. It's got to be man-made. It's it's stuff that we're sending into the atmosphere. Because this is ridiculous. Uh, All of these hurricanes, all of these, uh, I call them man-made disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes. This is global warming. This is climate change. And we can't get our politicians, representatives, to believe that. You know, they're conservative, you know, they want to conserve or they less uh, belief in what's reality. And it, it is awful that we have people in Congress, Republicans, who don't believe crap. They don't believe because they don't want to believe. I mean, with all of this destruction of Hurricane Harvey and then Irma and then someone, something called Keisha, um, they are steadfast on their disbelief in science. 
They don't believe in science. They believe in cash, money. They believe in you giving them money to run for re-election. This is what the Republicans believe, you know. And there's no doubt about it. A lot of these politicians in Congress, Republicans, they're bought and paid for. They're listening to their donors. You know, that's one of the reasons why they haven't gotten rid of Trump, because their donors want do not want that. And their donors are filling their pockets with cold, hard cash. But climate change is real. I mean, we've, like I said before, there is a, from all weather reports, there is a tornado that they're calling. Let me see what they're calling it. Um, Maria. <laughs> wow, Maria. I've known about four or five Marias <laughs> during my lifetime. But this is a hurricane Maria, if I can say it straight. And it's a category four. So it's a very, very strong and destructive hurricane, just like Irma. I don't think it's going to wipe. I don't know. I don't think it's going to wipe Puerto Rico off the map or anything uh, uh, to the sort. But you can't take any chances with these hurricanes. If you're in the eye of some of these hurricanes, if you're in the path of some of these hurricanes, it's best to re, uh, to evacuate, even though you it, it may not do much damage or you you'll come back later. But it's but you never want to take chances with some of these deadly hurricanes. You want to get up and get out and move on. And then after the hurricane has passed, you want to rebuild. But a lot of people are saying, why would they want to rebuild in regions? that are hurricane and tornado prone prone because if somebody let's say if you rebuild your 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 house that has been destroyed uh from a hurricane you rebuild it you you do all the things you you get started again and suddenly another hurricane comes along and um you know destroys your second home that you build after your first home was destroyed by a, a hurricane that's rough you know, so I've had friends say, well, George, why don't you visit the Caribbean? Why don't you visit the Florida Keys? Why don't you? <laughs> and, you know, and I knew before then that these places, these areas were um, uh, tornado prone. I even written a book, a novel this time. I've written, well, it's pretty, it's about two or three years old, but I written a novel um about the well, it's, it's fiction it's a fictional story it's basically cops and robbers kind of type of thing but but uh i just created uh, a hurricane uh, uh out of the caribbean and you know these it, it's funny when you write stuff years and years ago and it comes to fruition. Everything comes true, you know, that you've written about. And it's fiction. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's called The Deep Freeze. If anybody's interested, <laughs> it's still on Amazon. And it's a novel. It's not a short story. It's not a novelette. It's not a novel. Oh, no. It's, 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 a, it's a real, real, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a book with pages, with many, with many pages. They all have pages. Uh, but uh, getting back to the hurricane that's coming uh, and global, global warming, this stuff is real. But I don't think you can convince any Republican um, 
any Republican that science, this kind of science is real, even though they've seen the destruction and it keeps and it keeps happening. It's like a, a revolving door with these hurricanes. You know, uh, one hurricane does a lot of destruction, kill people fast, and then there's another one right behind it. Now that's going to make a probably going to make a lot of people want to think twice about the Florida Keys, uh, the Virgin Islands, the Caribbean. I wonder. I'm kind of figuring out if the Virgin Islands and the Caribbean. I'm pretty sure they're not the same, but they're similar. So if you know a little bit more about that, <laughs> then uh, then I do because I you know I'm learning all the time. So it, it's gonna be. It's the weather is really really weird. And it's been weird for the last few years. And, you know, there's no doubt about it is that these uh, causes in this severe weather, this uh, unprecedented weather is man-made. We're sending so much up into the atmosphere. We're pouring so much gunk and garbage into the oceans. And after a while, you know, I mean, this is going to have an effect on Earth. You know, I don't know much about global warming, but I do know that there is something going on in the atmosphere. There is something going on down there. This is unprecedented. And to have our elected elected officials boo-hoo it is just unacceptable. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is 6.13 p.m. straight up Chicago time. We are on, I am on, four days a week, Monday, Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you know, and Thursday. So four days a week, every day, and we've been doing it for maybe three to four years now. And it's been fun. It's been great fun. I enjoy it. Three four seven eight five three four seven eight. Five seven one seven six two. Almost forget the phone number. You know, when you get old, things start to deteriorate. What can I say? All righty. Like I said before, my guest is author author Robin Marvel. If nothing has changed, because sometimes you can book people for the show, and all of a sudden they have scheduled conflicts, or something has come up, or something. You know, they can't make it. And I'll try. Sometimes I'll try to reschedule them. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't work. Okay, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Hate has no home here, and it doesn't. Be nice to one another out there. It's so, it, it is so easy to be nice to people. And uh, stop shooting and stop the killing and stop. Uh, Chicago has seen so much violence over the weekend and during the weekdays, it's pathetic. And every time someone is shot in the city of Chicago, it makes national news. And we had we had four people, I think a few days ago, three men and one woman who was pregnant. And then beyond that, there are other people being shot and all over the place. I mean, you can look it up, uh, you can research it, you can find it on, on online someplace. But the thing is, as I've said before, and I've stated this before on the show years ago uh, in the city of Chicago that every time someone there's a mass killing or more than one person 
has, been, has lost their life through senseless violence. The police department, the mayor, all of these folks get up on television and say crime is down. Crime is lower than last year. Here, we have, num- we have the numbers. We, this is uh, statistical. Yeah, it's their numbers. Not my numbers, not your numbers, not the city of Chicago numbers, but it's the police department's number numbers saying that crime is down. How can the hell can crime be down? I think, matter of fact, I have a feeling and I do know that crime in the city of Chicago is a lot higher than it was in 2016. I think 2017 is just, is just out of control. And the thing about uh, increasing crime in the city of Chicago, and it has increased, I don't care what the police department tried to tell you or what they try to throw out there. You know, uh, crime is up in the city of Chicago. And the thing about this is they are hiring new cops. Every time I look around, they're hiring 100 cops, 90 cops, putting police officers out on the street. And, and I do understand that there, a few months ago, we've got some federal help to come in to try to curb uh, violence in the city of Chicago. None of that has worked. This is what I'm saying. They, they don't have any plan. They try to have plan, but every plan that they have uh, – reducing crime in the city of Chicago, it fails. Anytime that you are an elected official, you're a governor, uh, mayor, police superintendent, commissioner, anytime you have those kinds of uh, 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 jobs, your job is to save lives in your uh, city, your, your state, your community, that, that's what you get paid for. You get paid to uh, serve and protect. This is not happening in the city of Chicago. They'll say, well, we've got 90 police officers out there. Well, they'll say, well, four people died the other day, but look look at this. Uh, look at these numbers we have here. Crime is generally low in the city of Chicago. I mean, your child gets shot. Your sister or brother gets killed walking to the store, uh, to the corner store. And suddenly uh, the police superintendent comes on television and tells everybody this crime is down. Are you going to think crime is down? No, you're not. I've said this before. I, I, I have solutions, but they don't listen to. Uh, they'll listen to people like me who try to give the police department or the city um solutions on solving crime, they will listen, but they will not implement it. They don't want to see uh, the National Guard in the city of Chicago because that's going to make them look bad as if they don't know what the hell they're doing. And it appears they don't because people are dying. People are getting shot every weekend. Every At the sound of my voice, somebody's probably being abused. And these guys and girls, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, you put these uh, police officers over in these communities. Uh, who don't have the experience of dealing with gangs and shootings like this. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of police officers are probably, or they, some of them feel that as if they have their hands tied. They can't do much to uh, bring down the crime in the city of Chicago. Uh, they've in the past, they've given all kinds of reasons for why they will not stop and search somebody who looks as if they need searching. It, it, it's just crazy, the crime, you know, uh, and somehow I don't think, and I've said this before, 
that the mayor, the governor, and the superintendent of police, they should make crime in the city of Chicago their number one priority. But it's not. If it was if it was their number one priority, I honestly believe that it would really, really, truly go down dramatically. You have to make it your number one priority. The mayor just can't say, give this to his superintendent of police and say, go out there and solve crimes. There's got to be some kind of on hand uh, presence from the from the uh, mayor and governor to do this. You can't throw more throw more money at this situation. You can't throw more cops out here because the more cops out here, the more cops you have. You know that's not going to solve anything. You got to have solutions. You got to have plans. You can have the fewest cops in your department, but if you have a plan to come to combat to fight violence to end violence and it's successful you don't need all those cops they're just on the uh taxpayer payroll getting a pretty good decent paycheck and not doing anything in terms of lowering crime or stopping crime before it is uh committed i understand the police can't be everywhere i realize that and I can understand that there's more, uh, there's more, the population in the city of Chicago is a lot more than, you know, just the police officers. And you got to find some brave police officers. I mean, a lot of these police officers are probably scared to death to be out here on the streets, especially patrolling some of these high crime areas. And then again, I've said this several times, uh, in the police department, the mayor, they know the high crime areas in the city of Chicago. They know the gangbangers. They know who the troublemakers are who, or who are the potential troublemakers. The problem is you have to patrol in these high crime areas 24-7. Do not let up. If you patrol or you set up some kind of... Uh, police shack or something in some of these areas, crime will go down. But you can't really uh, stop somebody from going into somebody's house and blowing and, and shooting an entire family. You can't too much stop somebody from walking into a party or a nightclub where there's 50 or 60 people on the dance floor and somebody takes out a gun and starts shooting. Uh, but you can patrol the streets. You can stop the carnage on the streets. The kids need to be able to know that they can play outside without getting a bullet through the head. The kids need to know that they can go to the store or park without dying from a gunshot because the gangbangers or the thugs can't seem to shoot straight. I'll say this to the gangbangers and the thugs. You want to shoot each other? Go over here in Afghanistan. Go to Iran. You know, and uh, that ain't going to happen, though. I think someone else said that a long time ago, but it's it's relevant. It's true. You know, so. And, 
yeah, it, it's a sad state in Chicago. You want uh, the minute the minute it seems that things are starting to look great, starting to look up in the city of Chicago, it goes down, and then you get these guys uh, come on television say, "Well, seventy people got shot. It's a hundred people got shot, but you know what? Crime is down. Look at these statistics. Look at these numbers." Yeah. All right. Tell us anything. We're stupid, right? Um, it is not down. And it's going to continue to increase. The bad guys are so sophisticated than ever. You know, uh, the police has to be a 24-hour presence in some of these communities. And the way they are hiring people or saying they're hiring more people to be police officers, this should be no problem. But somehow it is. What what is it when uh, people uh, politicians of their city and their state can't protect the citizens of their towns, who can't protect the citizens of their states and their cities? They're failing. If you can't protect your citizens, the people who put you in office, if you can't keep them alive on the streets and you have all the power in the world, then you're a failed politician. And when the world looks at Chicago, they don't look at uh, the people who are doing the shootings or the killings. They look at the politicians, the leaders of the city, and say, why can't you politicians, you leaders, protect the people of your state, protect the people of your city, protect the people of those communities? They're looking at the politicians as being, so am I. I'm looking at the politicians. There's no more excuses, well, it's bad parenting. There's no more excuses, well, they're in gangs. There's no more excuses, well, they don't have jobs. Well, they live in a food desert. All the excuses have been uh, uh, talked about, and that's about it. Talked about. Uh, trying to uh, uh, bring jobs to some of these downtrodden neighborhoods. You can bring all the jobs you want, but if the bad guys are still there or driving around uh, shooting people, shooting at each other and missing and hitting an uh, innocent bystander, bringing jobs to that community doesn't mean anything because the bad guys, the thugs, the crooks, the dirtbags, they don't want jobs. They want to steal. They want to rob. They want to kill. Now, there are so many people who have left Chicago, the state of Illinois, because of the ongoing crime. A lot of people have moved out of these uh, high crime areas. Then there's those who stay. They stay because they can't afford to move. It, it is very expensive to live in the city of Chicago and just about anywhere in America. It costs a lot of money. And everybody is not fortunate enough to have a job that's going to, you know, get them the kind of housing that they want. But it is the leader's fault. I mean, it could be Chicago, Detroit, it could be Los Angeles, any high crime, any high crime area. It could be New York. Um, if you can't protect the citizens of your state, of your city, then the politicians are failing. 
You can't too much blame the superintendent because he works for the mayor. He is the mayor's pick and choice to be superintendent, but yet crime is still out of control. And they will, they will say it's not out of control. But if you're a citizen out here on the streets and you're wit- witnessing shooting every night, killing every night, somebody's being shot, you know it's out of control. And these guys do not have a plan. They do not have solutions. So what do they do? They move on. Instead of making crime their number one priority, looking at other cities, other states, and figuring, figuring out how they have lesser crime than the city of Chicago and implementing those uh, uh, issues here. But no, that's all it takes. It doesn't take more police officers out on the street because that's gonna be more police officers who are gonna be standing around after uh, 20 people are shot. I mean, in some of these high crime neighborhoods, you don't see the police until somebody is shot. Then there's a ton of them standing around. Instead of going after the, the guy or the girl or the gangbangers who perpetrated the crime, they're standing around. Now, if it would have been that many police officers in that community, before that crime, before that person was shot, there wouldn't have been any crime. And I know that for a fact. I mean, you, you, uh, when a crime is committed, someone is shot. I mean, you have a, you, you can see about ten or twenty officers on the, on the scene at that particular crime scene, standing around, looking, standing around. Now, if they, as I've just got through saying, if they would have been standing around like that in that community before the shots were fired and someone, people died, this would not have happened because there would have been what? A strong police presence. Anywhere in the city of Chicago where you do not have a strong police presence, and I can say this probably for other cities and states, anytime you don't have a strong police presence in a high crime area, you're going to have crime. You're going to have crime. There, that is no doubt about that. Several times, get the National Guard. I, I don't know uh, if they were listening to the show and they heard this, but that's, this is one thing they don't want. They don't want the National Guard. The Nas- Why? Why don't they want the National Guard? They might actually save lives. They don't want the National Guard or the Army or no help whatsoever because that would make them look bad. From my understanding, they, uh, Trump did send some uh, uh, federal agents to the city of Chicago, and that prompted nothing. Crime just still spiraled up out of nowhere. Why? Because they have no plan. They have no solutions. They have no ideas on how to stop the carnage in this beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, expensive place, Chicago. <laughs> and it is expensive. Taxes all over the place. Uh, if I can say a little bit about taxes, 
well, we have this beverage tax. I think it stinks. Then we have this bring your own bag tax. I think it stinks. Then we have an astronomical, out of control, historical property tax hike taxes. And I think those stink. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's expensive enough to stay in the city of Chicago, but then they throw all these taxes on you because they have to balance their budget. Uh, so they're going to balance their budgets on the back of, with your money, with your money. That's not, uh, that's not uh, fair. I mean, city of Chicago, we have a lot of tax and it is very expensive. That's why you have so many homeless people in the city of Chicago, because it's too expensive to, there's no affordable housing nowhere. Or people wouldn't be sleeping on the streets in tents under Vidocs. There is no uh, affordable housing. But you know what? It's like everything else. If you ain't got it, then you just out of luck, period. You know, if you're homeless, if you're a failure in life and you want end up on the street, then that's you. Screw you. You ain't got it too effing bad. This is what some of the politicians are saying. You know, so it, there's all kinds of issues in the city of Chicago. I mean, it is a mess. But, you know, it's nothing that can't be fixed if our politicians actually uh, were in office to actually help people instead of hurt people. Uh, uh, now, we've got Cook County tax, beverage tax, bag tax, but a lot of this is going to fail. I mean, uh, we're not here. We're working our asses off. We're not working our asses off to balance their budget. They're going to try and blame us because their their budgets are out of balance. So they're going to come to us and take try to take our money, our little bit of money that we have, that we go to work every day and try to pay the bills to keep from ending up on the street. And they want to tax us, saying that it's a good thing for, for us. No, it's not. I can't stand this beverage tax. And they're... A lot of people have made a, a, a ton of arguments against this, and a lot of it makes sense. But these people, uh, Tony Pretwinkle and her commissioners, they want this. Well, we got to have this tax, regardless that it's hurting a lot of people. We got to have this tax. No, 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 no. People want to buy sugary drinks. They're going to go to Evanston. They're going to go to the surrounding suburbs and get their sugary drinks. I mean, I live close to Evanston. I can just walk across the street and I'm in Evanston, you know. So if I want a soda, I don't drink soda. If I drink anything, it'll be a diet or caffeine-free kind of thing, no sugar whatsoever. But even non-sugary beverages are being taxed, and they don't even have an excuse for that. They don't have, why is, this is supposed to be a sugary tax, taxing everything that's made with sugar, a penny an ounce. But still and all, you got soda out there with no sugar, no calories, and it's being taxed the same as the sugary sodas. And a lot of people are bitching about that. I am too. So with them, uh, raising taxes on non-sugary beverages, 
tells you that this is a scam. This is a bunch of malarkey that they're talking about. You're going to get diabetes. You're going to get all, you're going to be obese. Uh, we're trying to help kids from getting fat. That's a, that's bogus. What they're trying to do is get in your pocket, take your money out of your pocket and put it in their pocket. That's all this is. Take your money out of your pockets and put it in the po pockets of the politicians because they have to balance their budget. They got to pay their employees. Don't, hey, I don't need you paying your employees with my money. Pay it with your own money because they're not doing a damn thing for me. I don't see why I got to, I, I have to pay them when they're not doing a damn thing for me. Leave me alone. Leave my money alone. So that's, that's where we are. That's where we is with this beverage tax. People are suing, suing their butts up. People are suing the Cook County of, uh, uh, the Cook County in Chicago, Cook County. All right. And uh, the tax has been put on hold, but it's, 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 it's out there. It's, people are trying to repeal it uh, because we bring charged uh, those taxes right now as I speak. You have a sale tax. There's taxes everywhere. And people are getting up in and leaving the city of Chicago. But that doesn't bother these politicians. They're going to try and tax the people who are forced to stay because they can't afford to move. So it's, it, it, it's a... Um, it's it's terrible. I mean, but you know what? This show is all about making the world a better place. And that's what we're going to do is make the world a better place. George Wilder Jr. is not going to get up and run out of the city of Chicago because of its problems. This show is here to try to make Chicago and the world a better place. And I've told people that uh, uh, throughout um, the tenure, uh, uh, the years that I've been doing this show, it's it's all about trying to make the world a better place. I said try because it's getting harder every day to do this. And uh, it's up to the people. Uh, I do think the American people helping people, uh, he Americans helping America, Americans, Americans, let me say that again because my tongue is twisted. America, Americans helping Americans is one of the greatest things about this country. It involves no politics, no politicians, no line politicians. It's Americans helping Americans, no matter who is in the White House, no matter what senator or representative we have in Congress. It's about grassroots, down-home Americans helping Americans. You'll try to find some politicians who will try to take advantage of that, try to politicize it political size it because they're trying to get votes. I mean, that's despicable, but we have despicable people in, in Washington. All right. You've been listening to the, listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on blog talk radio. Let me talk to Donald Trump and explain to him that as president of the United States, he represents blacks and Jewish people and Hispanics and people of every color and every creed. And it is his job as president of the United States to stand up for each and every American, to stand up vertically against racism and bigotry. Peddling to racism is just as bad as being a racist. So Donald Trump is either a racist or he's peddling to it, and both 
are frank, frankly unacceptable and make him unfit to be president of the United States. If you can't be president, if you cannot stand up and represent Americans, you should not be president. And to my party, to the Republicans who are speaking out today, my question is, what yeah, the hell took you so long? When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. For too long, Republicans in Congress, elected leaders, have looked the other way while a misogynist, racist, bigoted pig is in the White House. Let me tell you, we cannot capitulate the office of the presidency of the United States. We cannot capitulate moral clarity. We cannot capitulate principles. We cannot capitulate Republican values and American values. No piece of legislation no bone that he may throw on policy, no regulation is worth cheapening the office of the United States this way. It is breaking us apart. It is not news that's breaking us apart. It is the president of the United States who is causing this news. So Republicans need to stand up, need to grow a spine, and need to reject him. They don't, I'm tired of hearing Republicans say they're disappointed and disturbed by something he says. You know what? When he invites you to the White House, don't yeah. go. When he invites you to dinner, don't go. Do not stand next to him until he starts behaving in a presidential manner. Go and if he can't, you've got to confront him over and over and over and over again. And, Governor, here's, here's, what, here's what folks are saying. Um, those comments today that were at Trump Tower, in the same place where he launched his presidential campaign in June of 2015, by saying this. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. So, Governor, you know, the folks who are his critics are saying he showed us who he was in those comments over two years ago. At least he's consistent. He hasn't changed, should, and people shouldn't be surprised by his behavior today. They expected it all along. What, did you take with, what issue do you take with him by saying just what he said? The fact of the matter is, being a border governor, we know that we're not getting the best that what Mexico can send to us. We know that the drug cartels are down there. We know that the rapists are coming across, and then they go to sanctuary cities, and then they head back, and then they come back here again. You know, this is America. American people ought to be protected also. And I'll and let you respond to that. as as rhetoric... As a Latina, I'll, again, I'll again, uh, again, Don, uh, life is too short for me to respond uh, to something like that. What I will say is that it, you're exactly right. He showed us during the campaign over and over and over who he was. We saw him boast about sexual predatory behavior. We, we heard him attack Judge Curiel. We heard him attack the cons. We heard him attack Mexicans. We heard him attack women. Over and over and over again, he showed us who he was. But Republicans, so many Republicans, look, I have friends here in Miami who voted for him because he was going to change Cuba policy, and he did. But that's not enough. That is not enough because the harm he is causing this country is just too great to look the other way. And many people thought that when he entered the Oval Office, he would become presidential, that the magnitude of his office would make him change and become a presidential figure. Well, six and a half months have gone by, seven months have gone by. You don't change a 71-year-old man. He mm -hmm. is not going to change. And it is time that Republicans start 
realizing yeah, that and, and stop giving him a damn chance. And, He's not going to change. He will continue that, embarrassing us and making us feel ashamed. Governor, and, and Governor, you're okay with everything he said today? I am, I am, from everything that I heard, I don't have a problem with it. But the fact of the matter is, is that all of this rhetoric is all sour grapes because it's just continually coming through um, the networks uh, across our country. And he was duly elected. He is uh, the president of the United States. And for people to use some of the verbiage that they've used Anna is in a Republican, a long-time Republican, is destroying by the way. Our, I understand that. Now you lost my. I lost. You said my that. So, uh, you said it's destroying our president. We need to. Pardon. I was just trying to help you complete your thought. <laughs> it's just it's the. It comes across. It sincerely comes across that everybody's candidate didn't win, so they just want to go after the president on every little issue. There's code words. There's dog whistles. There's you know this and this that. I mean, my God, I've lived, again, a long time, and I've never, ever seen uh, part of our country behave in this manner to this extent. It's over the top, and it's disturbing. And so many There are people who are watching, Governor, uh, who will say that they, they sounds like you're talking about Donald Trump and those people who were out there with torches the other night. Well, those are bad people. Those are bad, bad people. I mean, nobody is going to say that the Ku Klux Klan carrying tiki lights are good people. Nobody should say that. Any well, president said that today. He said there were some good people let, let me just Let me just say this. I do not think well, you can ask any American. Wait, Jan, I don't interrupt you, so please give me the same respect that I've given you, which has taken enormous restraint. I haven't on my interrupted part. you, Anna. I, I, haven't, I haven't interrupted you. All right, you. great. Then let, me, then let me finish my thought because I can actually keep my train of thought. Uh, one of the things he did today, by the way, was also come after and attack the senior senator from Arizona who is battling brain cancer right now. I find that offensive, not only as a friend of John McCain's, but as an American. I find it offensive as a human with empathy. I find it offensive for my friend Cindy and Megan McCain. I find it unacceptable. And if anybody is going to ask me to respect Donald Trump, because he's president, first I would say to them, tell him to respect the presidency. Mm -hmm. Tell him to respect the American people. Tell him to treat his office with the dignity that it deserves. Do not hold me to a higher scrutiny than you hold him. Do not hold me to a higher scrutiny when it comes to rhetoric than you hold him. He is the one that is dividing us. Are it you? is not us. Believe me, I got over Jeb Bush years ago, okay? He ran a terrible campaign. If you think this is sour grapes over Jeb Bush, you are sorely mistaken. This is pain over what is happening in the United States of America, a country that embraced me and that is today my homeland. All right. Uh, come to think of it, come to think of Trump is actually, <laughs> Trump, Donald Trump is actually out of the country. I mean, he's meeting with world leaders I'm thinking it's the um, national leaders. He's meeting with world leaders. And we all know how Trump is such an embarrassment to the world, uh, to the United States, I mean, and to the world. I mean, he is such an embarrassment. Just his presence just 
is embarrassing. You know, just by him being there and talking and and we once said that Trump wants world domination. He wants he doesn't just want to be uh the president of the United States. This guy wants to be president of the entire world. It shows how demented he is. <laughs> how unhinged he is thinking that he and he knows nothing about nothing and if he sounds as if he knows something about anything that he's doing it's because uh the people around him has fed him told him those things that he's about to say that's it uh they're educating him he's learning from the people around him and some of those folks are are uh not to be trusted Donald Trump is short on the truth. <laughs> He's hypocritical. He's a liar. We all know that. I don't have to go through all of that again. But anyway, they're, they're saying that Donald Trump is getting ready for a major, major speech. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I'm pretty sure it's going to sound good. He's going to do his best to try to sound uh, presidential. It ain't going to work because we know that he's He's being, uh, he has been um, trained, he's been schooled, and he's not going to be himself. Anytime Donald Trump is not being himself, he's uncomfortable. If Donald Trump tries to act presidential, he's not. If he's, if he sounds like he knows what he's saying, that's if, (laughs) excuse me, if he sounds like he knows what he's saying, He's reading it from a teleprompter. He's reading something that someone else wrote. Obama used to write his own speeches. This is something Trump cannot do. Uh, He's uncomfortable when he's not in his own element. Donald Trump is uncomfortable when he's not being his fascist self. He's uncomfortable, but he will do it because he's president of the United States. Then he'll, Donald Trump will say something this moment. He'll uh, read something off the teleprompter that makes sense. Then the next day, he'll go and he's unhinged. <laughs> he's crazy. He's a loon. He contradicts himself. And that's all he does, especially on Twitter. On Twitter, if you think about it, if you read Donald Trump's tweets, basically Donald Trump is fighting with himself when he's tweeting. Because he, he says one thing, then he doesn't say it. He believes this, and then he doesn't believe it. It's hard to uh, follow this man. And I'm pretty sure those those people in the White House who are trying to keep a leech on him, it's not working because Donald Trump is who he is. And so many people like Kellyanne Conway and uh, Sarah Sarah Huckabee, I mean, these and others uh, go around trying to lie for him, defend him, and there is no defending a clown in the White House. And I've said this several times, Donald Trump conned, lied, BSed, yelled, screamed, uh, condoned violence, all of this to get in the White House. And a lot of his supporters are, are embarrassed. A lot of them have turned away from him. There's maybe 10 or 20 who haven't, but, <laughs> but a lot of his supporters have waned. They're gone. They're embarrassed. They uh, they wish they can take their votes back. And a lot of people are saying, well, he's doing deals with the Democrats. And he did a deal with the w- Democrats. He did do a deal with the Democrats. 
the next he got a lot of blowback, a lot of backlash, and then he went out there and said there was no deal. See, this is Donald Trump. He he says one thing, he sees he feels the pulse of the response of what he says. If it's if it's if his supporters say they don't like that, he'll go back and say there's no deal. You cannot trust Donald Trump. You cannot believe Donald Trump. If something comes out of Donald Trump's mouth, you better wait for the next day or the next minute or the next hour. And he's totally denying it. He's de- he's denying something that he said that's on tape. He's denying something that he said is on Twitter. This guy is one mess. I'm a, okay, if I can um, divert here. I didn't watch the Emmys, so, you know, I mean, I didn't watch them, but I understand that they were in Donald Trump's ass. I mean, if it's the Emmys, the Oscars, or whatever kind of celebratory event that's going on that's, you know, uh, national and it's on television, somebody's going to rip not into Donald Trump. Then Donald Trump is going to say, well, that person should be fired. Like some person, uh, one of these television personalities, I can't think of her name, she called Donald Trump a white supremacist. Now Donald Trump wants her to surprise, want, want her to resign or quit or be fired. And the network is saying, well, she says what she wants to say. They're not going to fire her because the network, the people who run the networks where she works, they, they agree with her. He is a white supremacist. Uh, half the world believes that, that he's a white supremacist. You know, but and and the thing about I don't understand is that a lot of people criticize Donald Trump. A lot of people in in the entertaining industry on the talk shows say things like that. Why is he going after her? It, it could be because she's African American. A lot of people have called him a white supremacist. A lot of people have called him a racist. That he doesn't know what he's doing in high places. But yet he's going after this this young girl, well, woman, uh, uh, saying that she should apologize, maybe should be even fired for calling him a white supremacist, calling him what he is. There's no doubt about it. He is a white supremacist. He is a racist. He cannot change his stripes overnight if he tried. There's too much in his background that says he's a racist. There's too much... In, his, in the foreground that says he's a racist. And he hasn't really came out uh, in front of the cameras and, and swore and said he was not a racist. Donald Trump has not come out and said that he is not a white supremacist. He is not. Why hasn't he come out and said it? Because many of his supporters, if not all, are white supremacists. He knows that they are the ones who put him in office, voted for him. So he's not going to diss them. He's not going <laughs> to. He's not going to say he's not a white supremacist because they they would be pissed off and angry. But he is. This is what this man is, and yet he's going after this woman again. I'll get her name later uh, on a talk show on cable television. She's African American, who called him a white supremacist. The whole goddamn world is calling him a white supremacist. Why is he going after her? Could be because she's African-American. Yeah, it could be because he's an African-American. 
Okay, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, folks. It's been, <laughs> I'm having so much fun here. You, you just don't know. You just don't know. All right, stay with me. Closed captioning brought to you by InventHelp. Call 1-800-900-0202. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now for free information. This is GPS, the global public square. Welcome to all of you in the United States and around the world. I'm Fareed Zakaria. He's a right-wing gangster. Therefore, I don't have expectations for him. Him. Those of us who were in that church were trying to keep alive prophetic witness to accent, love, and justice, the humanity of all of us, no matter what sexual orientation, race, national identity, and, and what have you. The sad thing is we're dealing with the life and death of the American democratic experiment. And what I mean by that is the spiritual blackout, the eclipse of honesty and integrity, moral meltdown where there's no space for prophetic witness of love and justice and it's not a matter of just a president i have no expectations from donald trump i've been a black man in america for 64 years donald trump is not different i've been dealing with white supremacists i've been dealing with neo-fascists and so forth and so on i can discern them my concern is neo-fascism is a rule of big money big military adventurism escalating wealth inequality the collapse of public life and the scapegoating of the most vulnerable of the immigrants and of M Muslims and Arabs and Jews and black people and, and gays and lesbians and bisexuals and trans folk and so the, the real challenge is the relative silence of those Americans who ought to be part of an anti-fascist coalition we should have had thousands and thousands of folk in Charlottesville we should have had thousands and thousands bearing witness against the neo-fascists. They were, they were emboldened. Yes, they've been emboldened by Donald Trump. They know he has neo-fascist sensibilities. The problem is, look at corporate America. They've been relatively silent. We just had two recent brothers break loose. Where is the anti-fascist, the anti-racist orientation of corporate? Where is the, the church? Where is the synagogue? Where are the mosques? Where are our fellow citizens who ought to occupy that prophetic space of love and justice and put a smile on the face of Martin Luther King Jr., Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, of Dorothy Day and Grace Lee Balls and Edward Zaid, all of those who said we must be honest and tell the truth about those who will use arbitrary power for 
wealth inequality, xenophobia, and the military adventurism in various parts of the world. The American empire can devour American democracy. It's only the people awakened who can do it. Donald Trump must not be fetishized. He doesn't have magical powers. He has too much power as the president, but he can be pushed out. And by pushed out, I mean impeachment of right, but, and the Republican Party can be rendered accountable for its silence. The Democratic Party has to deal with its relative silences in regard to some of the things Brother Charles was talking about in regard to mass incarceration tied to Wall Street and so forth and so on. That is, that, that's the kind of revival, moral and spiritual revival that we need, and that's my tradition, as you know, do Brother you, Anderson. Do that's you what think, William Barber and the others are trying to talk about. Do you I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. He is now almost... I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. He is now almost certainly, almost unavoidably, the soon-to-be future ex-president of the United States. That first draft of the James Comey firing letter, that story that got suitably buried by the hurricane in Dhaka and North Korea, that first draft should be the end. It may take two years to get there, or two hours, but it is the end. The original draft of the Comey letter that Trump and Stephen Miller reportedly wrote, four pages reportedly full of anger over Russia and details of Trump's many meetings with Comey, means that the firing is no longer just likely obstruction of justice, it is likely premeditated obstruction of justice. With a paper trail. And special counsel Robert Mueller has a copy. But wait, there's more. It's actually worse even than that. It's essentially premeditated obstruction of justice in the White House, in the Oval Office, by the president to stop an investigation of the president's campaign and his transition team and his administration and ultimately himself. And there was apparently a warning to the president by the White House counsel not to do it because the word reportedly used was, it's problematic. The White House counsel... Mr. McGahn seems to have warned the president not to send the letter, not to fire the FBI director, not to do it. And he reportedly also took a copy of the letter and marked it up and gave it back to Stephen Miller with, quote, several sections that he believed needed to be removed. And for all we know, he may as well have used the phrase obstruction of justice. And then the president fired Comey anyway. And all of a sudden there were different reasons for firing him. And all of a sudden there was this other letter written by the deputy attorney general, which seems to have been rushed into existence to cover up the real reason he fired the FBI director anyway. And there's a paper trail. And Robert Mueller has the original letter. And there are witnesses. Because Trump reportedly read or described the letter in the White House, in the Oval Office, on the 8th of May, to the White House counsel, Don McGahn, to the vice president, to the senior advisor, Hope Hicks, to Jared Kushner, and to the fired chief of staff, Reince Priebus, and they are all screwed too. Unless that is the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal are all not merely wrong, but have all fabricated a story, the same story. Trump is guilty of obstruction of justice. And in writing that letter, Trump has in essence already confessed to it. He is now almost certainly, almost unavoidably, the soon-to-be future ex-president of the United States. The main problem for Trump is that all these people who reportedly saw or heard about that letter that day, the vice president and the White House counsel included among them, could now be subject to being questioned in front of the grand jury. If White House counsel McGahn is asked, 
Did you tell the president he had to change that letter because firing Comey for those reasons would be a crime? And McCann says, yes, then Trump is in desperate trouble. As the long-term former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotta put it on Twitter, if Trump did it anyway, that would be slam-dunk evidence of a corrupt intent. And McGahn can't refuse to testify, and Trump cannot keep him from testifying by claiming executive privilege or attorney-client privilege, because nearly 20 years ago, another special counsel got a court to rule that government attorneys can't avoid grand jury questions about government officials having potentially committed criminal acts. The special counsel who got that established was Ken Starr, and the loser in that case was Bill Clinton. As the former prosecutor, Mariotti, also noted, if the White House counsel says, I didn't tell him it was illegal, I didn't think it was illegal, I just didn't like the tone of the letter, Trump could actually be in the clear here unless, unless any of the other people in the room contradict him when they testify to the grand jury without knowing how anybody else in the room testified themselves to the grand jury. Or unless they produce that marked-up copy of the letter McGahn gave back to Stephen Miller, telling him he had to take out these paragraphs and those paragraphs, and those paragraphs aren't about tone, but they're about Russia. In the worst-case scenario, the president and his senior advisor, Miller, started a plan to illegally dismiss the FBI director, and they left a paper trail. Then the White House counsel learned of this plan, tried to stop it, left his own paper trail, and may have to wind up testifying against the president. Because then somebody decided to start another conspiracy with the deputy attorney general to come up with an excuse letter with which to dismiss the FBI director anyway. So the acting deputy attorney general is in it too, and just for good measure, they ran it past Hope Hicks, Stephen Miller, Jared Kushner, Rance Priebus, everybody else they could find, and all of them got conspiracy stains all over them. And of course, they also did that to the vice president. As a right-wing commentator for the Washington Post, Jennifer Rubin noted, Attention will soon focus on the vice president. What did he hear? Did he know the proffered reason for the termination was phony? And if so, did he knowingly mislead Congress and the American people when he advanced the cover story? Mr. Pence, who seems to have skated away just before the ice cracked under General Mike Flynn, could for the first time be in a world of hurt of his own here. He could easily be a grand jury witness testifying against the president's White House counsel or the president's son-in-law or the president. It is entirely plausible that Pence's only way out of this mess that Trump created with the first draft of the Comey letter could easily become turning on Trump. And that's if he had no idea that the White House counsel was furiously trying to stuff the toothpaste back into Trump's tube. And, oh, by the way, another little detail that kind of got lost in the more obvious, more hateful stories about Trump and the hurricane and Trump and North Korea and Trump and DACA is that Trump's security guy of nearly two decades, his permanent body man, his advisor, his gatekeeper, an ex-New York cop named Keith Schiller, up and quit over the weekend supposedly because he missed the money and his old lifestyle, an old lifestyle which has involved Trump and more money, and his old lifestyle which has involved Trump and more money and Trump and more money every day since 1999. So I don't know how leaving Trump gets him back to his old Trump lifestyle. But you know who delivered the letter to Comey's office when Trump fired him, right? The same guy, Keith Schiller. But it's just a coincidence. 
like it was a coincidence that just before all this broke, Trump's lawyers went to Mueller's office and slimed Comey as an unreliable witness and explained why Trump wasn't guilty of obstruction of justice. Like it was a coincidence that out of the blue last Friday, Trump suddenly slimed Comey and talked about a rigged system on Twitter after months of ignoring both topics. Like it was a coincidence that the president reportedly wrote a furious long letter telling the FBI director he was firing him for apparently not publicly clearing him about Russia. Then coincidentally, the White House counsel saw it. And the next thing you knew, there was a really short coincidental firing letter. And presto, there was also another coincidence, a letter from the attorney general deputy about how bad an FBI director, the FBI director was oh and the vice president being in the middle of this also a coincidence <laughs> as the punchline to a I joke love- that's at least 30 <laughs> years old goes coincidence i think not two years or two hours the george wilder jr show is now on the air it is all about making the world a better place join me
along with the other hurricane. Uh, I just the George about Wilder Jr. show is now on yeah, the yeah. air. It okay. is. All right, along with the uh, uh, Maria, I talked about the hurricanes uh, and situation uh, early on in this uh, episode of this show. Uh, Maria, but now I'm hearing there's another hurricane called Jose. And it's out to sea somewhere, <laughs> if, uh, according to this. And the, the, what I want to say is that there has to be something with this global warming uh, thing. It has to be. Now there's another one. And uh, and after this one, there's going to be another one. And out here in the Caribbean Sea, um, Hurricane Jose, you know, so... It's just rough, and people should stop. And I believe in global warming. I mean, this is just ridiculous. All these hurricanes right behind each other, uh, causing more destruction than uh, the latter one, than the uh, previous ones. It's just crazy. And for people to deny science is nutty too. But that's what we have here, folks: science deniers. And um, Hopefully, people can um, heed the warnings of these uh, hurricanes that are about to hit. And I'm not talking about Harvey or Irma. My understanding is Irma has fizzled out. So that's why we have Maria on the way. And um, they say that uh, the path for Maria is Puerto Rico. And I'm not sure about Jose, but he... I'm about to say he, Jose, the hurricane is probably right behind Maria. And it's it's just awful. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Join me on um, Facebook. Join me, LinkedIn. I'm all over the place. Google, you name it, Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm on uh, Amazon.com. I, I have a few books, uh, stories, writings, essays. All that stuff good stuff. I'm a, I'm a great writer. What can I say? I'm a great writer. All right. This is something that uh, I live in the city of Chicago and uh, we have a football team, folks. We do have a football team. We just do not have a winning football team in the city of Chicago. Chicago Bears. Oh, man. Over the weekend, (laughs) this past weekend, they have just doodled all over the field. I mean, these what is it? They don't have Jay Cutler to blame anymore. And they still can't find a way to win. I mean, I was watching the game. And the quarterback seemed, he seemed to be a little bit competent. He's not all that much competent. He made a few fluffs. He fumbled the ball. He sacked a few times. He made a few decisions that were not correct. And then on top of that, you have the quarterback throwing some great, some great uh, throws, throwing great balls to the receivers. And what do they do? They drop them. They, it's about four or five drops was was in this game, and the previous game, last week's game, the first game, they were dropping the ball. They were right at the. Um, the end zone, 
They were a few feet from the end zone, a few yards away from the end zone. They were in the red zone. And they could not score. They could not capitalize. Why? Because the receivers dropped the ball at least three or four times. And this week, they've done the same thing. Drop the goddamn ball. You're getting paid millions of dollars. People are watching you all over the world. And you get there and you embarrass yourself by dropping the damn ball. They were damn near shut out until somehow they found at the last few seconds of the game to score uh, uh, the score seven the score at this particular game the score was seven to twenty nine guess who got seven the bears they they would have been shut the hell out and now a lot of the fans are saying that the coach john fox should start the uh, another quarterback i think his name is mitch trebinsky uh he showed some promise but he said he's going to go to go with the same uh quarterback that he uh, that played in Sunday's game, which his name is Glennon, Clinton or something. Um, and he's been screwing up. Why don't you start the other quarterback? You've, you're 2-0. Oh, you don't have a win. So why keep starting a losing quarterback when you may have uh, a, a winning quarterback? He's going to start a losing quarterback again, and they're 2-0. and oh. and, and these two games that uh, Clinton has started, They've lost, and they've got a, a a quarterback in there that seems a second string quarterback that seems to know what he's doing. He's a winner. I mean, during the exhibition games, he was he 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 blossomed. So why won't John Fox um, start this guy? I think this way, folks. I think that the Bears need a new coach. They need somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. The Bears need a new coach. They need somebody who knows what they're doing. And somehow they don't have it <laughs> in John Fox. You know, and the thing about Jay Cutler, he's with the Dolphins. He's with the Dolphins? Is he with the Dolphins? I'll check that out. But anyway, he 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 uh won. I mean he I he was he was a successful. Jake Cutler was successful in his first game of the regular season. He was successful. So Jake Cutler, after the Bears fired Jake Cutler, I'm pretty sure Jake Cutler is laughing at him because the Bears are still losing. The Bears are picking up where they left off last year. Losing. Losing. And this time, they don't have Jake Cutler to, to, uh, to scream at. So after getting rid of Jay Cutler and the Bears are still on the losing end of this, there's no doubt about it. We need to get rid of the coach, John Fox. There's no amount of excuses. There's no amount of any of him trying to explain these two losses, you know, because a lot of us had a lot of, uh, a lot of us had plenty uh, of, we were saying the Bears are going to win. The Bears are going to do this, but they always wind up, end up actually surprising us with a <laughs> with a loss, you know, because they have some pretty. It, it's a pretty good team. I I think 
from what I've seen at the exhibition games and and even uh, the first game of the season, was, which I thought was they played pretty well. They just lost, but at least they played pretty well. But the second game of the season, they played awful. It was just terrible. It was like Donald Trump embarrassing the world, but this time it was the Bears embarrassing the world. So there we go, folks. I, I don't know what to say. The Bears, uh, you know, they're just awful. We'll just have to see what happens uh, next Sunday. And, and John Fox has said he's not going to go with the um, with Mitch Travinsky. The fans want this guy, but this is what I'm saying. The fans pay their money. The fans go to the to the games, but the coaches, the managers, they do not listen to the fans. So the fans have a right to stay home. We don't want to go out to sit in a stadium for three, four, five hours, and your team is losing. You know, I mean, whenever you go out to a football game or a baseball game and your team team is losing, you it's like losing money. You know, you like, I mean, because you paid your way in, and it's expensive. It's totally expensive to go see a sports game in the city of Chicago. But the Bears is two and zero. A lot of people are saying they're going to go two and fourteen, <laughs> win two games, lose fourteen, it, it, and that's possible because they were three and thirteen last year. So I'm going to go out on a Said to go out on a limb here and say the Bears need to find a new coach, you know, because he can't seem to find a way to win. He's got a great quarterback, a second string quarterback, but he will not put this guy in because he wants to go with the same quarterback that he lost the first two games with. Why? And fans are crying, put in Mitch Trebinchy. He, he, I mean, what do you got to lose? You're losing games anyway. What do you got to lose? But uh, this guy, I, uh, a lot of these people feel, these coaches and managers, they feel they know better than you or I or the fans who are paying their money, who are turning on their television sets, giving them ratings by watching the game. They think they know more than what we do. But we have the, pop, we have the purse strings. We don't have to go to the games. We don't have to turn them on. Who wants to see an a, 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 a awful team? Who wants to pay their money to go sit in the stadium to see an awful team? That's going to totally, totally lose. We need a new coach in the city of Chicago, and we need it now. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to say this before the show is off. We, it's this nurse. Uh, we have a nurse. I'm pretty sure there's probably other nurses around the city of Chicago, but her name is, they call her Nurse Donna. And she goes around, and this is great. She goes around treating uh, 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 people for free. She goes around giving medical services to people who can't afford it, who can't afford to go to a doctor. She goes around and she gives it, and she gives her service for free. For free. She doesn't charge anything. You don't have to pay anything. You just, all you got to do is just, she goes to, most of the time, she goes to, instead of, uh, instead of the patients coming to her, she goes to them. She goes to like food pantries and stuff like that where people are going to be because, you know, there's a lot of people in the city of Chicago and elsewhere who can't afford food. So she goes to food pantries and she, you know, and, and that's where she treats people when they come pick up their food. She'll ask them, do you want a flu shot? Do you want to be checked out? Do you need a blood test? She's and she this is a beautiful lady. I mean, she takes 
she's also works at a hospital and during, I'm pretty sure during her off time or during during time at the hospital or, or during um during her time free time she goes out and she uh uh, uh administer uh healthcare to those who can afford it and that's great you know i mean it it happens uh, a lot of people are doing it a lot of doctors and physicians are doing it just so happens she's you know is being getting she's getting publicity from it but you got a lot of people out here a lot of doctors physicians nurses who go around to certain areas where there's going to be a lot of people people who can't afford to go to the doctor and give them medical services something the republicans don't want to do they don't they can't stand uh you, you getting medical services they want to cut you off your health care the, the health care that you already have so i want to say my hat is off to donna nurse donna uh for doing taking her time doing this for free and i understand that the hospital sometimes lets her go out and do these things which is great beautiful and she does it for free you don't have to pay any money you ain't got to show no kind of insurance card you just uh uh she'll just ask you a few questions and it's up to you to want to be uh uh serviced and get proper and good health care on the spot without um asking a bunch of questions that's what uh single payer is all about you know people helping people people out there giving back to their communities because this is what they do and I, like i said before it's americans helping americans this has nothing whatsoever to do with politics or politicians but they will try to take advantage of something like this to politicize it to try to get votes but we can't let that happen all right you've been listening to the george wilder jr show if you want a hug i will be your pillow if you need to be happy i will be your smile but anytime you need a friend i will just be me all right you've been listening to the george wilder jr show on blog talk radio folks it's been a great <laughs> it's been a great show i've had a lot of fun and i hope you guys tune in tomorrow we're going to do the same thing, going to be just as happy and gay and all of this kind of thing. Uh, when I mean, when I say gay, I mean happy because some people take that the wrong way. You would be surprised. But anyway, it's been a great show. I, uh, I just enjoyed it. And I hope you guys join me tomorrow. Like I said, I always take, take your, uh, uh, I'm always so appreciative of your time.
lay me down before I go to sleep. In the troubled world, I pray the Lord to keep keep hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. Find a hole in the bed. If you can't. 